Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all, depends on what's in it for them. They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash. They lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash. Succeed or fail, it has to the tell. Dungeons and debacles starts now. Hello, adventurers, and welcome to this special recap episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. I am your host and Dungeon Master, Kevin. We are entering Season 3, and we just crossed the 100-episode threshold. And I thought this would be a good time to do a recap for those of you just joining us. We know it can be daunting to look at a podcast and see 100-plus episodes, but at the same time, that means we're committed to doing this and finishing the campaign. Speaking of which, I had originally planned about a 200-episode campaign but I grossly underestimated. Right now, it will probably be more like 300. We are up for it, and I hope you are too. I will do my best in this episode to briefly summarize. Briefly, yeah, right. (laughs) What has happened so far? I might miss one of your favorite parts, but I really recommend starting from the beginning and listening to the story so far. We don't mess around too much and introduce a bunch of random encounters just for the sake of fighting something. The editing is tight because I don't want to waste your time and there's a lot of story and plot there. There are also bonus episodes that are basically scripted radio dramas that tell the story outside the gameplay and describes what's going on in the rest of the world, which is just as important. That being said, let's get started with a little world building and history. The World of Sulel and the Ruin This is the 5th edition homebrew campaign that takes place on the world of Sulel. You can find the maps of this world on our website under Lore and Maps. There are two continents, Uresh to the west and Dolmay to the east. They are bridged by an isthmus named Kala, which is where our story begins. 3,000 years ago, an evil red dragon named Ruinaxis broke most of the world. This was called by most the Ruin because of the utter destruction she caused and the dragon's name. The dragon was called Ruin by most of the good folk of this world, though her worshippers, an evil dragon cult called the Red Talons, would kill someone for uttering such a slight against their mistress. The dragon was searching for her egg that was stolen from her by a group of four adventurers. In the process, she burned the cities to the ground and gathered armies of monsters to search the world and intimidate civilizations to bring her the egg and the thieves who stole it. But the thieves were nowhere to be found. A group of 12 powerful archmages called the Saviors banded together and used powerful artifacts of their own creation to banish Ruinaxis to the Abyssal Plain. Without the dragon, her armies were crushed and that was the last anyone believed they would see of Ruin again. However, her followers remained, gathered in secretive celled groups, causing trouble here and there, but more of a nuisance than anything else. 
mothers would use the dragon and her cult as stories to frighten their children and to make them behave. Fast forward 3,000 years, and this is where our story begins. Chapter 1, The Ring of Plains and Kala. Our adventurers meet each other during an attack on the city of Kala by a raiding party of kobolds. Alexander, the human bard, a monotee, half-elf warlock, and Vito, the beastful barbarian, are contracted to root out the kobolds along with two city guards, Tivit, the half-elf rogue, and Juliet, the dragonborn fighter. They discover the attack was orchestrated by an agent of the Red Talons, a nasty black dragonborn enforcer named Sish. Our adventurers are tasked by the captain of the guard with finding one of the stolen artifacts called the Ring of Plains. After the bard tells the captain he is part of the companions, a legendary group of adventurers, spoiler, he's lying. The captain, in the presence of a member of such a famous adventuring group, tells them the ring was guarded in the mayor's house, who also happened to be a descendant of one of the saviors that banished ruin to the abyss. Through their investigations, they discover a town guard tasked with guarding the ring has actually stolen it and sent it to his mother. They find the guard's mother in the nearby country of Liscane. She tells them she and her son were coerced by the Red Talons and the ring was hidden in a shrine to the Raven Queen in the nearby Witching Woods. Inside the shrine, Alexander finds a curious tomb with a tiny halfling inside with a colorful patchwork cloak. He takes the halfling's dagger and a silver flute. He later learns the dagger is cursed and imprisons a hungry demon inside. More on that later. In the shrine, they find a necromancer defiling the tomb. They kill her and find the ring of planes and a curious statue of an elven woman holding a black sphere above her head. The ring recovered, they make their way out of the tomb and are immediately confronted by the Red Talon agent, Sish. Sish offers the adventurers a deal. The Ring of Plains for power, riches, and glory among the Red Talons, if they just turn over the ring. So this is where things go sideways and the campaign changes completely. Half the party decides to take the deal and Tivit, his adopted father, a cleric of Arathus, and Amonite, the warlock, are killed by the rest of the party and Sish. Vito, the beastfolk barbarian, decides to stay neutral in all this and leaves, making his way back to Kala, where he tells the captain of the guard what happened. The now traitors, Alexander and Juliet, make their way back to Kala with empty hands and prepared lies. At the border, they're detained by guards and held for questioning. While awaiting interrogation, they're rescued from detention by Elunidas, the elven monk, Adel, the Hellsworn paladin, and Gwendolyn, the druid, all agents of the Red Talons. They are taken to a safe house and another Red Talon named Davik, who happens to run a less than reputable massage parlor, gives them a place to lay low. To test our new villain's loyalty, he charges them with destroying the Temple of Arathus in Kala. 
They burned the temple to the ground, killing the clerics and paladins inside. Their loyalty proven to the Red Talons, Davik charges them to pay a visit to the mayor to find out more about the artifacts. They're joined by a mysterious figure in the massage parlor, a presumed agent of the Red Talons called Nifron. They storm the mayor's manor and find a book with lore about the artifacts. They also learn Juliet has a weapon she found in the Raven Queen shrine that was handed down in the mayor's family. They discover the mayor's great uncle was searching for a ruins egg, and they learn they found a map piece in the Raven Queen shrine that could reveal the location of her egg. Having learned all they can in the city, Davik arranges passage aboard a ship, and they make their way to the location of another artifact on the Isle of Insight, just north of the grand city of Carnley. After our villains leave, Davik is interrogated by the foils of this campaign, a group of do-gooders called the Companions. More on them later, but remember the name because it's important. While on their voyage, our villain ship is attacked by a Kraken. They are off course and have to sit down in the grass aisles to make repairs. They are propositioned by a half-orc chief there to eliminate a political rival and recover a sword that justifies the chief's power. They kill the rival and recover the sword, but Juliet tries to expose the chief as being less than honorable and it backfires. They escape with the sword and make their way to Carnley. Meanwhile, a group of powerful and famous adventurers, the Companions, remember I mentioned them earlier, they learn that the Ring of Plains has been stolen. They go to Kala after our heroes have left and discover, through an interrogation of Davik, a group calling themselves the Companions, aided in giving the ring to the Red Talents. They aren't too happy about that. They publicly execute a group of Red Talons, including Davik, in the city square of Kala. They also reveal that they are part of the Vanguard, an ancient and secret agency charged with rooting out the Red Talons and preventing Ruin Axis from ever returning to the Prime Material Plane. Chapter 2 The Amulet of Dominion, Karn Lee, and the Isle of Insight. In Carnley, our villains are fresh off the boat when they're robbed by a 12-year-old street urchin named Talia. She is taken under their wing out of sympathy for the starving girl. Our villains meet a contact in the city that gives them a letter of introduction to a powerful councilwoman and red talon in the city. They are charged with going to the Isle of Insight, posing as students at the magical academy known as the Tower of Insight on the island. They are given some magical scrolls that will allow them to steal another artifact known as the Amulet of Dominion from a heavily guarded magical storeroom known as the Citadel in the bowels of the Tower of Insight. After many classes at the Tower and some deceptions, they make their way to the Citadel to discover that the amulet has already been stolen and an IOU from someone named Kazakh has been left in its place. They find out where Kasich may be and make their way through the desert to the north to the town of Brown Meadow, where they learn of Kasich's location. There they meet a beast folk who looks, talks, and sounds, and has a taste for honey, just like their previous party member, Vito. Leto, as he is called, tells them Vito was his brother and that Kasich is their father. 
They follow the Beast Folk back to Kasich's hideout to discover Kasich has been cloning Beast Folk and using tiny implanted water elementals to control them. Kasich has been working up to create an army to face Ruin Axis in a coming war. He's also been experimenting, but his experimentations have yielded mixed results. He has stolen his ancestor's artifact, the Amulet of Dominion, to gain complete control of his forthcoming army of beast folk he is creating. Our villains kill him and take the Amulet of Dominion, leaving twitching and dying beast folk in their wake. Chapter 3 Bonebreaker's Girdle Our villains continue north through the desert where they find a blue dragon's horde and a mysterious body. The dragon isn't too happy about them being there. After they defeat the dragon, they journey further north until they reach the outskirts of the port village of South Bend. On the road into the town, they find several bodies of red talons that have been left in cages to die from exposure. They find one alive. She recognizes them for who they are and leads them to her camp, where an old man called the Prophet has foretold their coming. The Prophet apparently has the ability to look into the future and has information for them regarding their future path and a powerful enemy who is pursuing them. The Prophet also tells him his red talons have been stirring up trouble in the north between the city of Ashfell and the half-orc Bonebreakers settlement. Before they can leave the camp the next day, a detachment of knights sent from Asheville surrounds them to arrest the entire camp. A battle ensues in the entire camp. Nearly 50 people are killed by a wizard's fireball, except for our party and one lone barbarian named Turin. He is the husband of the woman they found in the cage on the road to South Bend. Barbarian decides to guide our villains to the tomb of Borch Bonebreaker on the slopes of Mount Sunder, a dormant volcano to the north. They make their way in disguise through the town of South Bend and through the city of Ashfell. They head north to the Bonebreaker camp before the volcano and try to make their way through the village disguised as entertainers. Adel and the chief of the village get into an honor fight over the savior Bonebreaker's sword and the paladin is defeated by the chief and the sword becomes forfeit. While discussing passage to the tomb with the chief, a large explosion is heard at the gates of the camp. The silver dragonborn and companion Kull has come to quell the troubles between the half-orcs in the camp and the city of Ashfell. His herald is a dozen fireballs hurled at the gates by the retinue of battle mages in his party. Our villains take advantage of the distraction to steal back the Bonebreaker's sword and leave the camp. They make their way to the smoldering volcano, Mount Sunder, where they are met with a magical, invisible wall that bars their path. They discover Bonebreaker's sword is the key to pass through the magical barrier and make their way inside. They fight through fire elementals, and Tali has one of the more memorable kills in the campaign. We use a random effect crit table and she rolls three 20s in a row and instantly kills a greater fire elemental. Throughout the tomb, they've encountered strange pockets of heat and a mirage of another plane. They later learn that an Afredi was responsible for blurring the lines between the prime material and fire planes. They meet the Afredi at the door of Bonebreaker's tomb. 
He tells them he's been waiting for centuries for someone to show up with the key to the tomb so he can go in and gather the artifact. He offers a wish in exchange for the key. Adel makes the deal and wishes to become invulnerable and is promptly transformed into an adamantine statue. They defeat the Ifredi and use Bonebreaker's sword as the key to enter his tomb. Inside they find the ghost of Bonebreaker himself, and he isn't exactly what they expected. He takes a shine to Talia and they release his imprisoned soul and take his artifact. Our villains backtrack their way out of the tomb only to find the companion Cull waiting on them. He cannot pass through the magical barrier blocking the entrance to the tomb. They have a tense conversation in which Cull tells our villains they can come out now and be mercifully executed or be hunted for the rest of their days and be slaughtered. They decline. Before they can leave, Cull, the dragonborn, tells Juliet that her parents are imprisoned in Kala and may or may not be executed soon. They leave Call to find another exit. They are met there by two figures, one they've met before, Nifron, who doesn't look the same as the man they met before, and a demon named Kayla. She tells them she is there at the behest of the goddess Loth, and they share a common interest, the return of Ruinaxis to the primaterial plane. She charges them to find Ruinaxis's egg and takes Bonebreaker's girdle. She compensates them with kingly gifts. They learn that Ruinaxis' return is being orchestrated by someone called the Harbinger and are given a writ in the Harbinger's name that gives them authority among the Red Talons. Chapter 4 The Journey to Fadel. After their palaver with the demon, they make their way to the location of the next artifact, somewhere in Fadel. They make their way to the city of Ashmarsh, but before they reach the city, the demon and the cursed dagger makes its will known to Alexander. Alexander and Nifron set off while the rest of the party is asleep and murder a woodcutter's family to satiate the demon. Our villains make it to the city of Ashmarsh, where they discover an incredible bounty has been placed upon their heads and other members of the Red Talons. They witness a public execution of Red Talons and groups of adventurers lining up to gain warrants. They leave town as fast as they can. They make their way across the river and are attacked by a mad paladin of Arathus that has been terrorizing the area southwest of Fadel. Alexander is killed by a fireball by a wizard in the paladin's party. Our villains cut down the paladin and Talia chases down the fleeing wizard called Iolus. He tells her that he was kidnapped by the Mad Paladin and forced to fight. Iolus also tells her he knows of a powerful cleric that can bring the bard back to life if she spares his life. They travel to the town of Hollis Point where Iolus leads them into a Red Talon ambush at a decrepit manor of Ilmater. After they figure out they're all on the same side, a white dragonborn cleric of Tiamat named Shar tells them she can bring Alexander back to life, but needs an expensive diamond as a component of the spell. They learn the only place in town they could possibly find such a gem is in a haunted mansion in town. They go to the mansion where they defeat the ghost inside and learn the master of the manor was once a member of the vanguard 
and find out how the secret organization is structured. They also find a diamond that will bring Alexander back from the dead. Alexander is trapped inside the dagger and finds another tortured soul inside. The original owner of the dagger, Jarek the Entertainer. He also meets the demon trapped inside, a terrifying entity called Ornan. Before Ornan can rend Alexander's soul, Shar completes the ritual and returns him to life. However, he is still cursed and bound to the dagger. Alexander recovers, but before they can leave town, they and the rest of the town are visited by the Pinch during a festival to Cord called Cordmas. The pinch sneaks in under the cover of darkness and steals some magical items. They track the pinch down in its mountain lair, kill him, and recover everything that's been stolen from the town. They become the heroes of Hollow's Point. They leave the town and continue their journey to Fadel. They are confronted by some wood elves along the way and discover that a civil war is brewing between the wood elves and the high elves in Fadel. They are taken to a village in Lullen and compete in an Egg Bowl tournament against the local champions there. After defeating them, they're given passage and a warning. To go north could spell their doom. They make their way to the city of Fadel where the guards are less than welcoming. After dropping the name of one of the companions and a very high persuasion check, they are allowed into the city under guard. But before they can enter, they are told that the companions barred Eric Tellwright is in the city and they will meet with him in the morning. This is not good. While holed up in an inn under guard, Alexander transforms himself into an elven maid and seduces a drunk official in the inn. He takes the official upstairs and interrogates him. He learns that the strife between the High Elves and Wood Elves began when the Red Talons made an attempt to steal the savior artifact known as the Boots of Fadel. The High Elves move the boots into the Feywild and close access to anyone trying to enter the Fey Gate. The Wood Elves were not happy because the journey to the Fey was part of their adulthood ritual for their warriors. They escape the city and make their way to the Fey Gate, where they are met by a platoon of High Elves guarding the gate. After they kill the guards, they are met by a drow named Vicalia, who says she was given a vision and a task by Lolth to help them recover Ruinaxis's egg. Chapter 5 The Feywild and the Boots of Fadel. Our villains cross the Feygate and into the Feywild, a strange land where time doesn't seem to pass. As they exit the gate, they are immediately attacked by a water nymph and her water elemental. After defeating the nymph, they use the magical oracle statue in their possession and learn that the artifact is to the northeast. They travel along a path through the woods where they meet a dryad. The friendly dryad leads them to an expansive gap that is guarded by an unknown dangerous guardian. Our villains murder the dryad to prevent her from telling anyone of their passing. As they approach the gap, they find only a small white bunny near a platform at the edge of the gap. They attack the bunny and find out it was more than it seemed. It revealed itself as the guardian of the gap. After killing the bunny, they solve a puzzle to extend a bridge over the gap and make their way to the north 
and encounter a sprite village, where they are not greeted warmly. After a tense standoff with the sprites, they pass through the village and continue their journey. Along the way, they come upon a strange crater and a dry riverbed with dozens of crashed ships. While investigating, a ship crashes out of the sky and into the crater. They climb down into the hole to search for survivors and loot, and are confronted by a man who calls himself Prospector Bill, who claims salvage rights over all the ships inside the crater. They leave Prospector Bill to his claim and make their way to a ruined village to the northeast. There they are attacked by will-o'-wisps. After defeating them, they find dozens of corpses of long-dead elves who had failed their test in the Feywild. They continue their trek and eventually find themselves at their destination, the Fey Shrine. After solving two puzzles and an exhausting, dangerous dance-off, they find themselves in the lower levels of the Fey Shrine, where they meet the Marshal General of Feydel, who is guarding the boots. They dispatch her and her guards and recover the boots. Our adventurers decide to try to avoid the sprite village they encountered on the way to the Fey Shrine and are deceived by a trio of hags. They kill the hags and make their way to another path that leads them out of the Feywild. They exit the portal back to the Primaterial Plane to find that only a few hours have passed since they entered, although it seemed to have been days inside the Feywild. And so now you're all caught up. Like I said before, there is a lot of things that happened in the in-betweens of this summary. And I hope you go back and listen to some of the episodes because it's a compelling story that we hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening and I hope that this summary was helpful to you. We hope to see you on the next episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. You can find us wherever you can download a podcast. We are also on YouTube and streaming live on Sundays on Twitch. So we hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. After a long day in the fields or the mines, all you want to do is visit the tavern with your mates and relax. You need an L that won't fill you up or empty your purse. Ask your barkeep for a Conley Light. It's made by Master Dwarven Brewers with the finest ingredients from the Plains Nation. It's a refreshing crisp L that will quench your thirst. And you can feel good about drinking tankard after tankard without that full feeling you get from other L's. So you can keep going all night. For better times at a better price, Conley Light. The music you heard on this episode was Teller of the Tales, Lost Time, Lord of the Land, Fire Prelude, Long Road Ahead, Not As It Seems, and The Parting by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.